Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. We are here once again at Ted's Frost Hop on the corner of Claiborne and Calhoun in uptown New Orleans, where we meet each week with a, with a key member of the New Orleans restaurant and food community. We're very excited to have with us today David DeFelice, aren't we? Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. On tonight's show, we're going to the lakefront. West End in New Orleans lakefront used to be a vibrant mecca of entertainment and dining not so many years ago, from Pontchartrain Beach to Fitzgerald's, Sid Mars, Brunings, Bart's, and Jaeger's, the area used to be teeming with life. The, then came the economic downturn and changing habits that closed Pontchartrain Beach, and many of the restaurants started closing. Uh, two storms shut down Brunings twice, and eventually Katrina washed everything away. Well. Today, New Orleans Lakefront is starting to come back mm. with the help of a new restaurant built from the ground up called Brisby's. Tonight, we have David DeFelice from Brisby's, the general manager and chef. So we're very excited to have him here tonight. Yes. Welcome. Pleased to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, tell us about this concept. I mean, how'd you become involved? How'd you choose the lakefront as your location? Were there other options for you? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, it's real simple. The, the, uh, the owner had his eyes on waterfront location for a long time, uh, unbeknownst to me. Uh, he told me years ago when we met that he wanted to open a restaurant. I had no idea it was uh, eventually gonna be a lakefront deal. But when he found a location, he gave me a call Show me the proposal, and here we are. And who is that owner? Who John Brisby. John Brisby. Right. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I met him. He was actually working at my family's restaurant while I was there uh, when he was in college. And that's Pascal Manali. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Uh huh. And uh, he literally came to me one day and said, "One day I'm going to open a restaurant, and when I do, I'll give you a call." And I got that phone call about two years ago. All right. So uh, why, were you, why were you able to leave your family restaurant? Um, I was already out of there. Okay. Uh, I had moved on. Uh, I was uh, working at a hotel in the city. And, you know, w w when I saw the proposal, when I saw the space where, where uh, his restaurant was going to take up, I said, I'm all in. I got about maybe three pages into the proposal. And I said, I'm in. Let's go. All right. And when was that? Roughly two years ago, two years and a couple months. So how long did it take from that development to opening the doors? Well, there, there, was, there was a process that, that had to ensue from that point. Uh, he had to go th uh, before the levy board and pitch the idea. Oh, uh, because there's other complications, I guess. You have the levy involved in it, Oh, there's you? a yeah. ton of complications. Uh, well, we had to pitch the idea, get approval. He had to go up against other potential business owners, uh, potential entrepreneurs and business owners, with different uh, business concepts and, 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 and ideas and projects. What were some of the other concepts like? You know, honestly, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it was a unanimous decision to go with Brisby and, and his restaurant project. Uh, and that went before the levy board uh, as well as some of the neighborhood committees. And so that was the first step in the process. So he was awarded the lease. It's, it's all state-owned land out there, and it's managed by the levy board. He was awarded the lease. We were able to get in there and say, okay, now we have the lease. 
then the next step in the process is getting awarded the permits to do the work, hmm. meaning starting with demo. We had to uh, tear down the old building, start anew, and rebuild. And what was there before? The Hong Kong restaurant, okay. which, which if I remember correctly, probably opened in the 60s and did not reopen after Katrina. Uh. So it was there. Uh, the building was in disrepair. It was you know, kind of falling down. It was, it was, it was you know, bottom line, a, a blighted property in the neighborhood. And when uh, he or we came in, we, we took that down. So that was one set of permits. The next set of permits was to actually build on, on, on that space. So, you know, a few more months go by, permits come in, uh, a lot of hoops jump through, and, and uh, he was able to build it. And the fortunate thing for, for us, where we stand today, is his professional career prior to that was commercial construction. All right. So he built this a gorgeous restaurant, uh, beautiful building, and here we are. So is it actually on the levee? Is that what it is? It's on the New Basin Canal. Okay, it's on the canal. Okay. So what do you? So uh, what kind of height did he have? Were there requirements about the height? And uh, I believe 16 feet. 16 feet it had to be yeah. up. Okay. Wow. That's correct. That's challenging. It is, and and, and, but and it again, creates a great view. I bet, huh? The view is amazing because because we look straight into the channel, right into the Orleans Harbor. Uh, so we get to see all the boats coming in and going out, and uh, it, it, it it's a beautiful space. It really is, and one of the genius things that was done there in the building process uh, by Mr. Brisby was he built a restaurant just a few inches taller than the levee itself. <laughs> so, and, you know, God forbid, in the case of the next big flood, if water breaches the levee, theoretically, we don't get water in the restaurant. Right. Just because we're a few inches taller. The levee the breaks levee. and the water level goes down a little bit and you're Well, okay. even if it doesn't break, okay. but if it just breaches. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. there's not a surge. And, and where we are, we're kind of protected by the harbor. Right. And we know that's never going to happen again because Army Corps promised us. Absolutely. Yeah. All, look, <laughs> Army Corps is on our team. And we believe. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a great space. It, it's, it's a space that needed to come back. Yes. Um, New Orleans has been missing this for, for years. And, you know, in my personal and professional opinion, I've said this for a long time, even pre-Katrina, we live in a town surrounded by water. Yeah. We have, you know, you ask for directions in New Orleans and it's toward the lake or toward the river. Right. <laughs> We've had, you know, a small handful of restaurants on water in this town. Well, I mean, there's even the lake alone, right? There's got to be, what, seven miles within the city limits that's, that borders the lake, or at least six miles, not even counting New Orleans East. I would say minimum. And, yeah. Minimum. And, 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 you know, what do we have? We have a few restaurants, just a handful that look out on it. It's crazy. It's bizarre. It's what this, it's like the largest brackish lake in, in the, uh, well, in the it, country. And, and that same theory or statement applies to the river. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when you talk about New Orleans or, or the whole metro area, you know, right. include Jefferson Parish and, you know, right. the surrounding areas, we just don't have restaurants on the water. Yeah, there's like Galvez in the quarters up high. You can kind of see the river. There's not too many. You can really our, see the river. Our license plates have said Sportsman's Paradise all my life. <laughs> and it's because we have so much, you know, uh, water around us. We don't have the, the, the retail space meaning restaurants on yeah. water, which is a shame. Now that proposal that you looked at, right? And you said by page three, you said, okay, that's it. I'll need to read anymore. How long was it? Was it like a phone book or was it It was a, a binder. Four pages? He showed me the same <laughs> proposal. He showed the bank. Yeah, how big was it? I mean, uh, it was about a, maybe one, one and a half inch binder. <laughs> and uh, so how'd you know all the fine print was the chef's going to work for free? 
<laughs> He's a good guy and I trusted him. Okay. So let, let me ask you a little bit about, since we're talking about the water and the beautiful views, I'd like to hear about your concept for the food and mm. um, the experience once you for, step in the... For me personally, walking into this, to, to this concept, to this restaurant, it was, it was real easy for me uh, to think about what I wanted the menu to be. I knew I did not want it to be all the old restaurants, meaning fried and boiled seafood across the menu, three pages long. I wanted to make a more uh, uh, contemporary approach to it. I knew we were gonna have a, a more contemporary building. The space, the aesthetic was gonna be more of a, a contemporary approach for sure. And the, the, the fried and boiled seafood, don't get wrong, nothing wrong with that, we all love it. But in the old days, every single restaurant out there had, you know, mirrors, uh, uh, I'm sorry, menus that mirrored each other. So we wanted to take it a, a little bit of diff different approach, and, and we did that. And we have minimum five different types of fresh fish in the building every single day that the menu actually calls for. And, you know, we, we just, we, we took it in that route. And I, I threw in, you know, a little curveball of a New England style lobster roll. Mm. You know, something that I, I, I never personally had in New England. I saw it on the Food Network and said, you know, that looks awesome. And I've never seen it here in New Orleans. Well, let's try that. And let's try and keep it simple. Let's try and keep it authentic. And let's put it on the menu. And, you know, I, I told somebody this a few weeks ago. It's the best $25 sandwich in town. Mm. And we sell a ton of them. Mm. And it's, it, you know, it's great. Y'all buy true uh, Maine lobster from, from Maine. And it you know, gets shipped in to my local vendor. You know, buy it a few times a week. And we, we, we put it on a, a, a toasted hoagie bun. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Mm. It really is. And, and I don't know where else you can get that. Mm. Now, what about, don't you have um, some meat items, too? It's, you're not just solely uh, no, we, seafood, we, we, right? No, we put a few things on a menu to where, you know, if you were to group people and you say, hey, let's go out to dinner. And one, one person in the group says, I can't eat seafood. Well, I didn't want to be taken off your list of opportunities that mm -hmm. night. So we got to say, we, we have an eight ounce filet. I'm buying about the best meat I can find. Uh, we actually did a taste test with four different vendors in town to, to test all of our meat items. And I had eight people in the building to do that taste test. And we didn't even look at price. I did not tell my owner the price. I didn't tell the other uh, testers on the panel so to speak, that evening, what these meats were going to cost me, we strictly chose the best tasting meat. I've got a custom blended burger that's a, a brisket and chuck blend. I've got a 16-ounce pork porterhouse, and I have an 8-ounce filet, center cut. And we got beautiful meat. Uh, we also have an herb-crusted chicken that we sell. Uh, I buy it all fresh, never frozen. And it, like I said, the, the whole idea, I don't want to exclude people who can't or don't want to or won't eat seafood great right. and i noticed um on your menu too that you have um recommended wines paired with the food absolutely and i really i personally really appreciate that because i'm not always comfortable to ask and i'm not knowledgeable about wine and so that's a great uh ha did was that in your initial concept to help customers come in and have a 
full dining experience? Or? Of course, yeah. We sat down with our wine vendor, uh, and, and he's a gentleman who I've personally known for a long time. He's been in the wine business. He had his own personal retail store many years ago, and now he's been selling wine commercially to restaurants and bars in town for, I want to say, roughly 30 years. Hmm. What we did was we sat down with him, and we actually did this, mm-hmm. and, and this is the fun part. We did this at my brother's home. My brother's a huge wine fanatic. He's a, a you know, avid wine collector, and uh, I trust his uh, opinions very, very much when it comes to wine. So uh, John Brisby and I sat down with the wine vendor and my brother at my brother's home, and we started going through wine and tasting them and tasting them and tasting them. And we would doing that while looking at the menu and saying, this might be good with this, this and this. So between the, the, the four of us, we started pairing them up and we put them on the menu. And like you said, to make it easier for the consumer who maybe doesn't want to ask or maybe doesn't know enough. And our whole concept was to have people enjoy wine with their meal because it's going to make their overall experience that much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I love wine and I know a little bit. I would love to know more when I go out. I always actually ask for my server's opinion of what's going to go great with the meal that I'm about to get. And the outcome is that the, the, the consumer, the guest in our restaurant has a better experience enjoying a great glass of wine with their meal. Hmm. Well, I have to just tell you, um, I saw your y'all's Facebook page and I have never seen so many likes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, it's really incredible. Y'all have thousands of likes for your restaurant, and it's really impressive. You'll and generate it's really that with a computer, fun. right? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but they show pic- – and it, it's a lot of people, too, right. that um, – it's a, it's a wide mix of local people, mm. you know, like all ages and really – so we, We've been blessed with that. The, our, our demographic really stretches pretty wide, and, you know, we uh, obviously – because of where we are, unlike my experience growing up in the restaurant business, we're not relying on tourism because we're not, you know, uh, we are in the city of New Orleans proper, but we're not in the downtown area or uptown area. So we're, we're not going to experience a whole lot of tourism. We're kind of off the beaten path. Even for right. locals, we're off the beaten path. Yeah. Um, the Lakeview community has been really great with us. And then, and then it reaches out even further than that. And we, we've been blessed with that. The, the, the clientele has been really awesome. They've been very supportive, and they've been coming out pretty heavy. Great. Right. Well, it looks like your plus one is here. Can you introduce him for us? Yeah, this, this is uh, my owner and, and, and my buddy, John Brisby. How are you doing, folks? Welcome. Thank you. On, on Midnight Menu Plus One, we have a mystery guest each time. We ask the guest to bring a mystery guest a plus one, and mm-hmm. that's what this is. So thanks, John. Good Thank to you have very you. much. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. Yeah. All right. So I'd like to know, y'all met? <coughs> besides, I mean, it's obvious you brought him tonight. Right. Y'all are partners. But when you first met, um, how old were you, John? And let's see. I, I started as a as a busboy at Pascal Manali's. I was um, no kidding. I, I believe I was nine, eighteen or nine, nineteen years old, and um, worked my way up to a server. Um, started trying to earn David's respect as a server, and um, yeah, as, as as I grew passion 
for the restaurant business happened on Napoleon right there. I, I, it was something that it was family oriented. It was fantastic experience for me. And, um, I just said one day I'm, I'm going to do this and, um, uh, I'm going to call you. And, and he goes, all right, you let me know. Probably not thinking anything of it. And <laughs> I called him. We hadn't talked in a while. Um, and we had spent many, many, you know, nights together and long and many years, um, work while I worked, there. I believe I worked there three or four years, somewhere in between. Um, and then uh, I went about my construction career and then, uh, something I felt like was missing. So I took a passion on to develop a restaurant and specifically waterfront. That, that was my, that was my passion was a waterfront restaurant in a city that I feel is really lacking. So you now. had this dream and vision years ago that years you ago, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And you just patiently were able to, uh, get to a place where you could execute. That's it. correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started, I started as a contractor. I, uh, I figured out there were avenues to possibly peel back layers to do it in the city of new orleans it was not easy to build in this town on the water after katrina but mm. um you scratch hard enough you're gonna get through it so sounds the cost a lot higher uh building right there on the waterfront than in another place it's more just the hassle is greater it's it's the more hoops to jump through but it, it, it's the unknown i think from huh. from where it stands from from a contractor standpoint and a bureaucratic standpoint where um there are several permits that are required a on the water and B after Katrina, but um, it, it, it's just a, it's just a process, and you follow it. You're gonna get it done. It's just who's willing to get it done. Hmm. Well, it, but chime in if I, if I remember correctly, there was that trifecta of where we are. Where we sit is state-owned land. It's so it's owned by the state. It's managed by the Orleans Levy Board, and it oh sits on gosh. federal water. Oh gee. Which is so you have conflicting that, interests but, and all that, but, and, and that was the difficult part because then you got to follow all of the city of New Orleans regulations right. post Katrina, which may so, be the opposite of what the federal regulations are. Precisely, that's right, where yeah. that's where like David always says when he used to calm me down because I was so frustrated at times. He goes, "You're fighting a moving target." Yeah, and that's what it really was. That's the best metaphor you could have put on it. And yet, so important for the city. I mean, what a great uh, blessing for the city to be having that space used and just bring something that nowhere else can. Absolutely. Uh, the city should really want to encourage that. I'm sure there were some people that were very encouraged by your project, mm-hmm. too, right? And sure. probably helped you through it. And it went back to the Facebook likes in regards to the overwhelming support we had from the community because um, I think we started with, like, over 2,000 Facebook likes before we even opened wow. the doors. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was impressive. And um so yeah, the whole community was backing it. Um, what the whole community did not know is that, again, there are processes that were very difficult to get through. But you know, at that point in the game, we had no choice but just continue to punch through them. Huh. Two years. I mean, that I'm sure it was an excruciating process, right. but that doesn't seem that long to me. Even just in construction, well, like, doesn't doesn't it take that long just to build something? I mean, um, from 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 a contractor, not for him. <laughs> <laughs> David was there for me pretty much every step of the way in regards to construction. I would call him even when he was employed at another place, and then he came on for me basically as a consultant trying to design it. From a construction standpoint, I said once I can get my permit, I got my hands on this thing. It was all the events leading up to it where it was it was uh, uncharted waters, and um, yeah, I believe it took us seven months to build out, um, and wow. the rest of it was. The process, like process. we call it, mm. that's kind of amazing. The, the the building happened really fast. It it, it truly did, and I, I know myself. I yeah, you know, I got a crash course in the construction world. Um, 
uh, like he said, I, I left my previous job a few months prior to us opening and was at the construction site. We actually did our interviewing for staff at the construction site for you know a couple of months. I mean, we it was. And why'd you do it there? Came a selling point. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It must be great to say. Yeah. Can you envision this? Get right. excited about this. Look and, out and, 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 and it wasn't always pretty. I mean, we yeah. we did it in a bare bones uh, office. And for the listeners, I'm doing air quotes right now. It was an office, but <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, even in March, it was cold. We had blistering winds, and, and, and it was it was cold out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was impressed knowing you know walking in, knowing nothing about the construction business, how fast the building went up, and it, huh. it, it did. It was nice. Now, John, are you involved day to day at the restaurant too, or is it? I am. I'm more. I'm more of the what guy behind there? the scenes, um, and I'll come up on the floor. Um, during during the busy shifts but i'm more the guy handling the shift from the financials where david knowing his experience and he's brought on a team of managers that are very professional several several decades i'll say several 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 years of experience in this business so you know i leave it to the people to do what they do while they train me because remember like you said i was a general contractor less than 90 days ago less than 90 days ago Now, did you, um, you, you, your background is from Pascal Manali's, your family. Been around 100 years, right? Yeah, certainly my my core background, no doubt. Was that now your great-grandfather was the founder, wasn't it? Pascal Radosta was my great-grandfather. His uncle, Frank Manali, actually opened a restaurant originally. It was originally Manali's restaurant. Was it always in that spot? Same location. Wow. Uh, that, take it back a little bit further, was originally a corner store and a meat market separated by an alley. And that alley now is the uh, Major D station and uh, ladies' restroom. Oh. And the, the avenue takes you to the two main dining rooms, the two main dining rooms being that meat market and the corner store. Okay, so Italian family... It's the great-grandfather's uncle that starts it. So that's a lot of generations. Mm-hmm. Just some simple math would tell me that that person, Manali, would have dozens of uh, grandchildren. So not all of them stayed in the family business. They probably went out and did a lot no. of different things. But, but your wing of the family did, or you did at first. What happened or? was uh, the Manali family phased out really quickly. Pascal Radasta, who took it over, like I said, from his uncle, who he was working for, he brought in his family. And this is where it gets weird. Pascal's two daughters. We like weird here, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you're about to get it. Pascal's two daughters, the two Radosta girls, married two Defelis brothers. Ah. And the older set, Francis and Steve Defelis, Francis originally being a Radosta, they owned it for 20 plus years leading up into the mid to late 80s. In the mid to late 80s, the next uh, uh, rung down, Severe DeFelice and Virginia DeFelice, who is my grandparents, they bought it, and them and their children took it over and started running it then in 19, I think, 88. And that's my father, his parents, his siblings. So did you grow up in the restaurant from a little as a little kid? I mean, just... I was hanging around there when I was real young. I was legitimately put to work at 13. Probably because he was causing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I knew him when I was young. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I was that guy. But uh, <laughs> so, did you grow up in Uptown, or did you, did your parents? No, I, I, I grew up in Metairie. Uh, Metairie okay. My 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 dad's family actually was born in Pikeman's Parish, uh, way down the road. They they were born around uh, Myrtle Grove, lived there originally. My grandfather and my grandmother moved them up to Belchase. That house still stands. That the house that my father grew up in, my grandfather still lives in, and. Uh, they were in you know, even way back in the I'm gonna say probably the the 50s and the 60s my grandfather had a, a oyster packing plant where he had oyster fishermen he, he had an actual packing plant in Plaquemines Parish so they've always been around food and so how what relation are you to the current owners it's my father and it's his your siblings. Father. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, you got you it, lost me there a little bit. Of yeah, the well, they, they, there's four yeah. siblings, one okay. of whom being my father. Oh wow. And you have you you spoke a little bit. You have a brother. I do. And is are, is that the only siblings you have? I, I, I have one brother and one sister. Uh, my brother owns a, a dental practice in Metairie. He, much like myself, worked at Manali's for roughly 15 years, off and on. And he's the we, wine connoisseur? He is. Right, okay. uh, him and I are the oldest of our generation of my family. So he was the first of my generation to work there. He, much like myself, started as a dishwasher. He chose a different path and went to the front of the house. And he made his you know, career, so to speak, there while going through school as a server. And he did that for years, you know, all through LSU undergrad and then through LSU dental school even. He worked as a server whenever he could. Uh, and even after was a practicing dentist, went back and worked as a maitre d', and you know help out, you know, just for fun when he could, because that's what we call it. it's fun. I mean, we love hanging out at Manali's. It's it's a great place to be. Uh, myself, on the other hand, I stayed in the kitchen. Now over the years, I worked all the spots, uh, mostly as a fill-in. Uh, you know, I was formally trained by the people in those positions, but then chose did, never chose to go that route. I worked as a fill-in over the years, uh, from everything from the dish room to behind the bar to working the books in the office with my aunt. And uh, so you're like a utility player, huh? Oh yeah. Well said. <laughs> I wore a lot well of hats said. over there. Well, that's good though. I mean, that's great for being, uh, at, you know, sort of over overseeing a whole restaurant because you know all the phases, of the operation, done it all. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, when I was younger, uh, in high school, there was a short period of time where I was a little bit bitter about having to go to work, you know, at such an right. early age. Nobody I knew went to work that early, uh, age-wise. You would have been bitter about something else if it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, right well now. said. I would have found something. <laughs> well said. But uh, I, I can tell you, by the time I was just maybe 20 or 21 years old, looking back at the 13 or 14-year-old uh, washing dishes, I don't regret it. And especially now, looking back, there's no way I would be where I am today if it wouldn't be for... You know, my father pushed me into the position to begin with, and I, I fell in love with it. I knew by the time I was 17 years old that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So now, why'd you leave uh, to go work in? Uh, what well, you worked in the Pontchartrain Hotel, and you worked in? Um, I worked at a couple uh, places Chris over the years. Yeah, it, you know, it, for me. Uh, How old were you when you left? First of all, the first time I left, I was uh, about 21, 22 years old, and I went to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and. It was an opportunity for me to learn something else. I knew I loved my industry. I knew I knew I was doing what I was going to do for the rest of my life at that point. Right. And I figured, well, let's, let's go try something new. 
uh, I and when I started looking around, I got courted by a few different companies. The corporate ones I was uninterested in, including Roots Chris, actually to begin with. And mm. the reason that I actually chose them was because they were a local company originally. All right. And I went there. It was a great experience. I, I learned a lot of great people. It was a total culture shock uh, because I went into a restaurant that at that time had 80, I think 85 to 89 units worldwide. Wow. And I left the quintessential family restaurant. Yeah, and the first one was here, but by that time they were just a right, big corporation. Was, and and yeah. it's actually, you know. It was a culture shock. That yeah. actually, believe it or not, when he parted ways, allowed him to expand his horizon more than those I just call them hundred plus year old recipes that are fantastic. Right. There's no doubt. Right. But it's um, he got to stretch his wings a little bit. Well, like for example, the barbecue shrimp, right? You, you, uh, now, how old is that recipe actually? How long they've been doing it the way they're doing it now? That was from Pascal himself and a buddy of wow. his. Pass. That was in about 1952 or 53. <laughs> Pascal died in 58. Wow. That just started a few years before he passed. And that was him and a buddy. Now, did of he his. actually invent that? It was him and a buddy of his. Uh, the buddy was going back and forth to Chicago. Had some dish in Chicago that he enjoyed. At that time, Pascal was hanging out with some friends on Sundays. They would have wine and cook in the kitchen. This guy said, "Let's try and reproduce this dish I had in Chicago." They. Attempted to reproduce it. What they came up with is what we all know today as barbecue shrimp. Which wasn't what they had in Chicago. It wasn't <laughs> exactly right. Uh, and the Way name better, wasn't probably. the same. Yeah. But, you but, know. Now, I mean, for our listeners, and most of our listeners probably aren't even local. Like, Describe what barbecue shrimp is. When I first got here eight years ago, I saw that on menu. I think the first time I saw it was probably at Pascal Manali's. Because right. I went there a couple weeks after I, I moved here. I live I lived close by. <laughs> And uh, I was thinking, like, you know, Texas barbecue right. sauce on some shrimp. I thought, that sounds awful, you know, but it's, it's not. It's wonderful. It's you nothing know, I, like that. I wonder the same thing. How, do you get your, how, did that, how did that get its how name? How did it get that Dave, name? Do you have yeah. any clue? I, nobody has an actual definitive answer. Because nobody's barbecuing anything in that, right? I think my, um, my idea of the answer is the most correct that I've come across. If you read the menu the way it's always read since its inception... It says a spicy, tangy sauce. Back in those days, barbecue sauce, as you and I know it, did not exist on the shelves in the grocery store where there's 30 varieties. Right. Barbecue sauce is something people made in their kitchens at home. And by definition, it would have been a spicy, tangy sauce. So it makes sense. That's, okay. that's, that's what I like to believe. Huh. And, and again, from a, a culinary standpoint, it makes sense. Now, do you have an homage to that at y'all's place? Absolutely. It, I have my own recipe and my own method, and they are different. Uh, do you call it barbecue shrimp then? Absolutely. Ah, but it's absolutely. different than Pascal Manos. I, 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 it, it, if I remember correctly, it's even called traditional barbecue shrimp on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, certainly. I mean, it, there's no way I, I, I could write my own menu and not have barbecue shrimp on it. That would be yeah. silly. Do, you, do your parents? Do your parents come to your restaurant? Your uncles come to your I restaurant. I see my family now more than I, I did before. <laughs> they uh, they pay the utility bills. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we have I have tons more questions, but first we have to get to the book of questions. Now this is um, part of the show where you pick a number between one and two hundred and seventeen, mm-hmm. and we ask you this question from nineteen eighty. When uh, this was very popular, and y'all were probably um, not, not even in the in, yes in not even a, 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 a yeah not even a yeah. dream 
Nah, I had about three years until I was I, around. Uh, okay. I popped up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start with you, David. Okay. What's your favorite number? One. One. All right, we've never had one. How did it take a year for us to finally get one? Really? Okay, for a person you love deeply, would you be willing to move to a distant country? No. <laughs> okay. Same way he read Great. the contract. He does it before it's over. <laughs> Is that knew. how you did the SATs well, too? Well <laughs> said. He doesn't know the clauses I have in there. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, have you not heard all the family talk? I've got a big family here. I love my family to death. Uh, you wouldn't even leave the city, really, would you? Wouldn't leave the southeast Louisiana. For vacation I, I, either. I, I, no. I, yeah. I, I, His vacation good. is uh, 7400 Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, all right. No, I, <laughs> I'm the same I'm, way. You know, uh, honestly, when I hear stories about that, and what you know, maybe it's, it's in a movie or somebody I personally know that you know they fell in love and they moved over here, and I think that's crazy. <laughs> um, I'm sure that love is out there, and maybe it exists. For me, uh, my fa- I've got a I've got a very large family. I love them to death. I've got a lot of really close friends that I made a long time ago. I've still got friends that I made in the third grade who are in my life on a very regular basis. Um, That's beautiful. David, it would make sense if you grew up in New Jersey. That, right. <laughs> that poor girl. So you grew up in paradise. To, That's to, why. To travel away from here, to <laughs> me, is not going to happen. All right. So are you single? I'm not. I have a girlfriend. Uh, All right. A little bit over two years. All right. Good. Well, how, what does she think about your new routine? It's rough. <laughs> That's does it. she hang out at the restaurant a lot, too? Uh, no, because she also works in hospitality. She, she's the guest services manager at a hotel. All right. And... Um, you know, she understood this going into it. She knew when I was going into this what my commitment was going to be, and it, it, it terrified her. Um, and we discuss it often. But uh, she's been a, a, a trooper. She's been really great. And she, has she been able to see, too, that, like, I, I heard you say, like, at when you worked with your family that it was fun and you were, your family was in there. And so is that same atmosphere uh I mean, I know y'all are new, but are you having the same um, feelings like you're in your home or, or and sharing with your friends and family? I'm going to tell you, it's, you know, it's, especially coming from where I come from, and, you know, he worked there at, you know, at, at, at Pascal's Manali. When you have a place that old and with a family who's that dug into it, that's hard to duplicate and replicate. Uh, I will say this, overall, um, from a... A staffing standpoint, you know, we started. You know, we, we we got we got punched in the mouth a little bit. It was hard. Uh, you know, I think like any business, certainly any restaurant, but our staff has come together. Uh, you know, my now how'd you get punched in the mouth? What, what does that look like? Give was, us an example without uh, throwing anybody under I the can bus. I give it from a bird's eye perspective. Um, but it, no, they, it, I mean, it, it was brutal in the beginning. The the volume of business we did, we never projected. We had no clue. So you were understaffed? No, no. It, it wasn't oh. understaffed. We were overrun. You know, we were we were right. having two plus hour waits for tables in the first few weeks. Uh, the first 30, 40 days was it was just rough. And, and and again, we're you know not coming from a corporate place where we had you know binders of training manuals. We had uh, myself and 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 John and and a couple of the managers that were you know trying to steer their staff in the correct direction. And uh, you know as as the best we could do it it was trying to keep up with the volume of business mm. where we were literally having 
hundreds of people walk through the door every day. So how'd you f- solve the problem? Would you? Well, let me let, let me just start two by hour saying. Lights? Let me just tell, start by saying that that from a, from a construction standpoint, even though we he and I consulted on many occasions about storage and prep availabilities and you know where are we going to store this? What are we going to do with this? It was um, when those when those people finally heard the doors were open, those supporting that supporting community we all were just talking about, they they were ready. And once once the floodgates were open, boom, here they came. Well, all of a sudden we realized we don't have enough storage. We don't have enough prep area. We don't have enough availability to keep product in the building. Parking, you have enough parking? Um, we do have – we have parking. We have um, – between the Brisbane facility, we have uh, – over 40 spaces but we also have public parking across the street of about 100 spaces and we have almost 200 spaces down the road Mm. um that's within walking distance the thing is is that had i known the response was going to come i did hamstring our general management in regards to feasibility how we're going to execute and that was the thing it was like how do you handle 200 plus people coming through on a saturday friday or saturday night while you're just starting to figure out Oh, that menu, that, that recipe takes butter as well? Yeah. I mean, there's no <laughs> – they were all complete strangers less so than a week So did you end up needing to hire more people, or was it a matter of just figuring out a different way to, to manage the flow? There's or? one key word to it, and I'm going to default to David when he says it. Um, it's uh, repetition. Huh. He said, you give me – he said, "You give You're me more repetition." Then, when you learn how to do you it, get, you huh. l- let me keep contra- training the kitchen staff. I said, "I need more prep area." He told me exactly what he needed, and ever since I gave him that, smooth sailing. It, it, it was. It, it was. You got to understand this. And, and again, like I said, uh, I've worked in corporations where you know they have these giant manuals that look like Bibles from the company and budgets, wh- 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 which is a great thing. And and they've got corporate pockets, which you know we didn't walk in with, and you know, a couple couple kids from Metairie just trying to make it right and and uh you know we we certainly did our best and, and I think you know looking back now a little bit over three months in we did a fantastic job but you know like I said we're a little bit over three months in four months ago the entire menu that served in our restaurant only existed in my mind you know I, I, I you know I put recipes on paper but the point is is everything had to be translated through these lips to you know 10 12 strangers hmm and, and, and that's just on, on, on the, you know, the menu, uh, 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 I'm sorry, the recipe and the, the, the technical aspect, the method aspect of it, of producing the food. Then we had to go in the front and, and, and train all the, the service staff. This is what this is supposed to taste like. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what's in it. Uh, you know, be, be aware of, you know, people with allergies. Mm-hmm. These are all the ingredients. There, there was a lot that was, you know, there's, yeah. there is a lot, not just for us, but for anybody who opens a restaurant there's a lot involved in it there's a there's a lot of nuts and bolts to it that you know again i've, I've got 21 years experience in the restaurant business i've never opened a new restaurant and you know it was certainly a challenge uh i will say this looking back where we are today i think we're doing a great job do we have room to improve of course we all do everybody does mm. and, and we're only going to get better if we like ask john his question too sure okay. what's your number uh three babe ruth all right, Babe Ruth. All right, he's the best. It. He was the best. All right. Grant watched Babe Ruth play when he was. They were, <laughs> a, they were in a little league team together. Um, if you were able to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Why haven't you told them yet? 
Jeez, oh, that's I, I, deep. I'm going to need that. Can you give it to me one more that's time? a nightmare-inducing question. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? And why then haven't you told them yet? Wow. Um, you're going to be making a phone call tonight after this. Well, <laughs> good job, Abe Ruth. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I could kind of spin this on why we're here in the first place because, yeah, I don't get into political discussions because I have no idea oh, about please. them. Go I'm ahead. not. It's just um, it, 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 it would be the heartache that we had developing this restaurant because of bureaucratic measures that stood in our way. So there's some people you would like to tell off if you knew you were going to well, die. I don't say tell off, but it, I just need an explanation on why it was that difficult to do something so fantastic for this city. Right. That it, I don't want to tell anybody off. That's not what I do, and that's not apparently the business I've jumped into. I just want to. You just want to know. I just got a lot of questions of if those are laws or why they are laws. Again, why are they? So, what is motivating you, know, you wh- to right, do this right, to me? W- yeah, right. What has happened down all this this tenure of, of years to take – to, to make it to where when when a guy like me is trying to implement something what I've got going on, well, why is to it that difficult? Spend money, do something local, do something unique. Right. It's all private Increase money. the food culture, and people are just trying to stop you it's for all, no reason. Exactly. It's all money we've, we've earned. That's a and great paid. answer to number three. Yeah, well, it's all yeah. – it's all and, and it's been on my mind for the past two years, and it's something that I really – I want to seek answers on. I'll never get answers on, nor do I have time to go ask those questions. Right. Well, don't you think, though, the fantastic thing, y'all are like an anchor Mm -hmm. for other. I mean, you really as as difficult and as horrendous as that process was, you made it through it. Right. And y'all are going to really it's really going to enable other people to move forward because you you pioneered through it. So there's. well, I see the war being waged on our culture by the city council lately, and I wonder, you need to run. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Can you please run? You're like, you'd be like the poster boy for that. Uh, yeah, you or were a victim into, of it. You know uh, what not to what, do. What is it? Zoning commission or get yeah. involved Yeah, well, they're in another the one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. we, we had another restaurant remain nameless where the neighborhood association, which tends to be the most restrictive, begged this restaurant to come. Would, and the zoning commission would, vote, uh, did not approve. Would them. there be any way you could tell me the name of that restaurant or the location? <laughs> you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? No, I would love to. I think I do because yeah. I spent. We'll talk so, off the air about right, that. Absolutely. I already, already get myself in trouble. Oh, it looks like we're running out of time. We're going to need to wrap up soon. But um, I think you had some other questions, Margo. Yes, I wanted to know how your the staff handled the slamming you know, two-hour wait, and h- how that worked out in, uh, since y'all started. Fantastically. Uh, they were very supportive. Uh, uh, Jonathan and myself, the other managers, we threw ourselves into the flames, and they followed us. And, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better. Because it must have uh, gotten kind of tense, right? I mean, when you got these kind of crowds it was and this kind of stress. It was right? tough for a lot of people. And, and you know, look, we, we only had to you know, lose slash replace – a very small handful. I'm talking legitimately three, four people from opening day. We've still got the vast majority of our opening team there. That's and, amazing. Wow. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you know. With three or four, you said you've had to let go? Yeah, total. Wow. Or, or and it's not just how we let them go. I mean, I can right. understand their frustration. They could said it. it. Yeah, some, right. you know, some of them just couldn't handle it, weren't, weren't thrilled about it, and, 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 you know, we had to part ways. Uh, but, yeah, we – we wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for, for those guys. And we spent a lot of time. We, we, we started interviewing people in March 
And I'm going to tell you, we, I think we interviewed about 130 people total mm. to fill roughly 42, 43 spots. And uh, we've been blessed. And Staff's 90% of those are still with you then, huh? More than 90. Wow. Staff's been awesome. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and our management as well. I got got to uh, Scott, Mike. I know you don't know these guys that are not here. Scott and Mike are amazing. Brian, our bar manager, amazing. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it weren't for them. Hmm. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It's really exciting. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, I think we are out of time, unfortunately. Man, that went by fast. What an interesting <laughs> story, though, you have. And we'd love to have you back on again soon, and you can tell us a little bit more how it's progressing as we go. Sure. Um, Good night. Thank Good you night. very much. Thank Our guest right. tonight has been Chef David DeFelice and John Brisby of Brisby's. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Wait, guys, will y'all, uh, will you please tell our audience yes. your hours and uh, your location? And uh, Sure. We're, we're, uh, we're only closed on Tuesdays, so Wednesday through uh, Monday, we're open 1130 a.m. straight through dinner, and we're at 7400 Lakeshore Drive, which is right past Robert E. Lee when you cross over the, the Lock Bridge, and uh, that's where we are. We All right, we website www.brisbeesrestaurant.com. Say it one more time. Brisbeesrestaurant.com. <laughs> one more time. I heard some ice being spilled yeah. back there. Yep. Spell it for us, too. That's B R I S B I S restaurant.com. Okay, well, we'll have more of that information on our website along with the show uh, for everyone to see. And thank you so much for joining us. This has been a real delight. Our pleasure. Thank you all. Thank all right. you. Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frosthop on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Ted's is open seven days a week, serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, and Chris Keogh is our technical director. And this fabulous audio quality that you hear is by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Makes all kinds of wonderful things. Visit PreSonus.com for more information. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's NewOrleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, get all kinds of swag. Uh, and while you're at It'sNewOrleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and our other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Vietnola, Out to Launch, and others. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, uh, please rate us and review us. It helps other people to find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for It'sNewOrleans.com. Until we meet here again at Ted's Frost Top, I am Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Thanks. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.